That's right. Welcome to the first week of a new sermon series for the entire month of December, and the preacher is going to spend the bulk of our time together discussing a word that many of us find offensive. So I hope that's okay. Do you know what word that could possibly be? Would you like to guess? Not not debt. That, that'd be a good guess, but I'm talking about the word cover your ears. Submit. The word is submit. We've been hearing about it this morning. We're going to continue our conversation about this word, this ugly, dirty word. We don't want to be people naturally who submit, do we? We don't. Do we know what the word means? A quick definition of the word submit. It means to to put under or be subject to. Often we don't like that. We don't like that. We don't like that a bit. Be honest. Do we like to submit? Do we want to submit? Not usually. We're people, we like to go about our own agendas. We like to go about things our own way, don't we? This starts from the time we're children's church age. Probably younger than that, actually. As a parent of small children, I can tell you that often the times in which my kids are the most responsive to me are those moments when they have something to lose. You know what I mean. Get in here and get this done, or you don't get to look at any electronic device for a decade. But it doesn't stop there. That doesn't stop there. Our resistance to submission continues. It hangs on, doesn't it? Throughout the young adult, throughout the teen years, uh, it doesn't take very long for us to figure out. Teenagers, cover your ears. Even though mom and dad gave us instructions or expectations or perhaps a list of chores or responsibilities, we don't physically have to do what they tell us, do we? We actually have a choice in the matter. Ashley's up here at sea. Sorry, I said teenagers, cover your ears. Sometimes it's going to take just a little persuasion on the part of our parents before we submit to their authority, right? And yet our resistance to submit to the will of another, it doesn't get any easier as we age. It doesn't get any easier as we age. But the Bible doesn't just suggest that we be people of submission, people who submit, friends, it commands it. The word for submission in the Greek, when we find it in our Bibles and our New Testaments, hupotasso means arranged under. It was actually a military term meaning to arrange troop divisions under command of a leader. So when Paul writes in 1 Peter 2.13 that the church is to submit, to quote, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, Paul was actually writing this at the time to to whom? To Christians under Nero. The man Nero wasn't exactly the kindest person to the church. If you remember right, Nero himself set the great fire of AD 64, and then he blamed Christians for it. So I don't care if your leader's name is Nero, here's the thing, or if your leader's name is Obama, or if your leader's name is Trump. The Bible says, Hupotasso, submit to the governing authorities for the sake of the Lord. That's Bible. That's Scripture. The Bible calls Christians to submit to their governing authorities. You notice it doesn't say we have to like our governing authorities. It doesn't say we have to agree with our governing authorities. It doesn't say we can't be stunned by some of the things that they do. 
But God's word does say it is God's will. 1 Peter 2.15, that you and me, as mature Christians, submit. The text continues that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. I think the Bible is specifically referring to Facebook. I can't prove that. But there's a translation out there somewhere. You scroll social media, right? For five minutes, ten minutes, see the exact opposite. Often coming from the church. We get on, we see many adult Christians loudly boasting what some kind of spirit of political dissension, right? Instead of godly submission. We don't want to submit. We don't like to submit. It's an ugly word to us. Just imagine, no, just imagine what these forums could look like. Uh, Political forums where we ought to be able to talk about things, religious forums, could look like if Christians, regardless of our politics or, or, or any of those things, if we practice submission to the authorities, just imagine what our Christian homes, our churches could look like if Christians, regardless of our own desires, regardless of what I want, if we practice submission to one another, amen? Submit is a dirty word to us. It is more than we want to admit it, yet we're called to do it. Where else does this come up in Scripture? Paul writes to the Ephesian church also. He tells the wives to submit to their husbands. Says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Ephesians 5, this is an equal submission. Peter writes to the young men in the church and says to be submissive to those who are older. That's 1 Peter 5. Now, one thing we want to note right away, because often this comes up in the conversation when people say, I don't want to submit, I don't like that. Not going to do it. Steve, Steve Carell from The Office, I don't like that. Is one person regarded higher on the proverbial food chain than the one who submits to them? No. No. Not at all. That's what we're going to get into today. You see, there's a bigger reason God's word tells us that no matter who we are, we're called to be a people humbled. 1 Peter 5.5, 5, before God, James 4.7. It's so that we may be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Romans 8.29. The submission of the Christ. We're going to continue our conversation about this all month long. <clears throat> you remember, uh, maybe some of you remember an old Beatles song. George Harrison sings, I'm in mine, I'm in mine, I'm in mine. Any chance I get to get a Beatles song, especially from up here, I like to take advantage of it. The very nature of fallen humanity gets in our way, though, because we're so deeply ingrained with it's all about me, and I'm going to spend my time doing this, and I'm going to use my money doing that, and, and i got to look out for me. i got to uh, look out for number one. We can find plenty of humor in the statement, submit is a dirty word, but how true is that? It runs contrary to how we're brought up. It runs contrary to our culture. And nobody said following Jesus Christ, on the contrary, was going to be easy, right? My point with all of this, this extended intro this morning, is this. Just think with me to the best that we can. I understand our understanding is, is definitely limited. We can only go so far with this. We're, we're finite. But think on the extent to which Almighty God himself carried out for us the ultimate act of submission. Think on this. It boggles the mind. Look in our text with us, John chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. says the following. 
In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. It's interesting, a colleague of mine pointed out this week, in the original Greek, when we get to the hymn, uh, this could actually be, also be translated self, but we look at the context of the language, we see made through him being the more popular, certainly the biblical translation of the text. All things were made through him, through God. And without him was not anything made that was made. We go on here, verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, we'll stop there. <clears throat> Let's talk a little bit more Greek. Badly, if I try to pronounce it. In the beginning was the word, or the logos. Logos is a Greek concept translated here as word, could be thought. In Greek philosophy, logos uh, referred to a universal reason or the very mind of God. You know, we read this text today out of John chapter 1. Maybe we, maybe we think, why? Uh, why the word? Why, why logos? Why, why doesn't the author just tell us to whom the word is referring? But John is purposely using this literary device, the word or logos, because it's going to resonate very specifically with his Greek readers, with his Greek hearers with Greek thought of a couple thousand years ago. The very mind of God, or the rational mind that ruled the universe, if you will, the rational mind that ruled the universe, is Jesus, the second person of the triune God from all eternity. And John wants to drive that point home so that he can also very cl uh, clearly communicate what this Jesus did in time, which was far beyond the nature of human thought. Something that can only be made possible by he who is divine. <clears throat> John says in verse 14, let's pick up the text there. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. <clears throat> and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. This Jesus, who is God from all eternity, became man. This is the submission of the Christ. Now there are, there are some among us, my friends, who struggle such with the idea of submission, of humbling themselves to have faith in a creator, even to the point of death, even when their life on earth is ending, and how sad that is. For our creator himself has shown us this perfect example of submission with such a humble earthly beginning. We've heard this a million times. How often do we stop and really think about what he's done here? As C.S. Lewis writes, and I, and I like the way he describes it in Mere Christianity. C.S. Lewis writes, The second person in God, the Son, was born into the world as an actual man. A man, particular height, hair of a particular color, speaking a particular language. He, he weighed so much. The eternal being, I've quoted this before, you've probably heard it. I love this quote. The eternal being became not only a man, but before that a baby, and before that a fetus inside a woman's body. If you want to get the hang of this, think how you would like to become a slug or a crab. 
So perhaps a, a direct rendering of John 1.1, just to try to understand the weight of, of where we're going here. A direct rendering for our modern ears, considering this slug and crab context, would be, in the beginning was the, mat, was the rational mind that ruled the universe. And the rational mind that ruled the universe was, was with God. And the rational mind that ruled the universe was God. Now that's incredible enough. But now let's go on to verse 14 and we'll, we'll render this again more literally. And the rational mind that ruled the universe became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory. Wow. Unbelievable. When it comes to God becoming man, you can't get any bigger to being much smaller. And that's the point. That's where, that's where we want to go with this. It begs a question or two first of the text, then from us, doesn't it? First, maybe we wonder, what was the word doing before the word became flesh? Do you ever wonder that? Do you ever wonder what he was up to all that time? Do you ever think, you know, it sounds like a strange uh, thought, but I wonder what Jesus was up to before he was born. To answer the question, as you go through your Bibles, as you, as you do Bible study, extensive study in the Old Testament, wherever you can find a verse in the Bible telling you what God was up to, specifically in the Old Testament, the word was up to this as well. When God said in Genesis 1.26, if you remember right, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You remember? Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heavens, livestock over all the earth, and so on. Christ was present and involved in that decision making. So it's important to note that when we read through the Old Testament, there's a bit of a dichotomy here. Uh, no, Jesus Christ wasn't actually born yet. Abraham, for example, didn't know the son as Jesus, uh, like uh, Simon Peter knew Jesus, whether he claimed him or not, but that's a different story. And yet, as Jesus Christ in the flesh, remember later on would say in John 8, 56 to the Jews, your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. This mere man of Nazareth was also the great God of heavens. This rational mind that ruled the universe was before us as the word long before he was Emmanuel, God with us, amen? So just imagine once again how startling. A couple verses later, his statement must have sounded, uh, John 8, 58, to these religious leaders, to the Jewish leaders of his day, when Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. This would have only been said by the God of the universe or a blasphemer. Guess which side the Pharisees took on that. But the question today is, when we look at what our great God has done up to the beginning uh, in the Gospels, do we believe it? Do we believe that this Jesus is the very maker of the universe? in comparison, who, who came to play such a small part within it. If this rational mind could come to his creation in a human body, just like you or I have, what should that say about the way we approach creation? About our approach to others? Do we truly follow after such a humble beginning as our Lord's? It's a big question when we look at what this text should mean for us. I don't know about you, but it seems you and I often would rather follow a different kind of God, wouldn't we? Unfortunately. 
It seems you and I would rather follow a God that maybe kicks back in his recliner and takes it easy for an eternity rather than springs into action for people who are lost. That's the kind of God I think I'd rather follow. Maybe we'd rather follow a God that, uh, you know, stores up material possessions and the weight of the earth instead of one who gives up the very glory of heaven for the sake of the ones who came from dust. I mean, if you had to choose, would we rather follow a God that's desperate to get everyone to like him? He just, just uh, doesn't want to upset anyone. He's obsessed with popularity instead of one that sends 66 love letters to mankind, the Bible, signed with love from the rational mind of the universe. Would we rather follow a God that's a mover and a shaker instead of one that comes to us quietly, maybe without drawing a lot of attention to himself in some far-off corner of the world? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Montcalm County? Would we rather follow a God that self-promotes instead of dies to self? God's story, as far back as we can read from our Bibles, has a beginning, a humbling beginning, and it should humble us all as well. How can we learn to take this and be humble followers of God as we play a part in that story as well? How can we, where do we go from that? Should I say, I'm a slug, I'm a crab, just admit I'm worthless, make this announcement, uh, just so everyone knows, I'm totally worthless, I'm not worth the dirt from which I came, in fact, just call me Mr. One-Celled Amoeba. From this point forward, the sign on this door will no longer say, Senior Minister, instead it will read, Josh from the dirt, an amoeba, because that's being humble, right? No, that doesn't work, because God doesn't see you and me as an amoeba, he thinks we're worth dying for. And actually, you know, he knows the difference. He knows that, uh, among other things, the amoeba doesn't complain about the weather like we do. Okay, I can't run myself into the ground. That doesn't make me humble. That doesn't uh, make, uh, give me a humble walk as, as God had humble beginnings with us. How about this? I'll just come right out and, and, and claim humility. Hey, everybody, I'm humble. Just look at me. Look at me. Old brother believer right here is one humble guy. In fact, if you're a new believer, I don't even know how to tell you to get to be as humble as I am because it took me so long to get like this. Humble. That's me. Does that work? Sounds like a joke I stole, but, but this has really happened. I, I, I heard the following story uh, from a, a friend in ministry once. Have you ever given the chance to uh, look at a, a job application for a ministry position? I heard this story uh, from my old minister. They ask you the question, like you hear in a lot of other places, what are your strengths and weaknesses? Here's a little tip. Don't ever answer to your strengths by saying, I'm humble. What are your strengths? Uh, humility. The person going over the application won't forget it, I promise. Before we move on, I knew a preacher who wants to find humility in a Bible study as the only possible possession that once you know you have, you've lost it. I, I don't know, I think ding-dongs kind of fall in that category too. But, but knocking yourself down into the ground doesn't count, and that's not being humble, that's not humility like the word, doing the reverse, talking yourself up doesn't uh, work either. 
Someone has said humility isn't thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I, and I think that kind of hits it on the head. Jesus Christ didn't, didn't forever lose his place in glory in coming to humankind. He came to humankind so that we could come to him in glory. Amen? So the, wor- the word spoke these scriptures into existence. And I love this. As one author writes, Jesus himself lived in accordance to these very words. He followed them. Jesus didn't think himself elevated beyond the law he'd given his people. Several times throughout the Gospels, we we read that Jesus would, would do such and such because these scriptures could be fulfilled in this manner. One author writes, Jesus discovered who he was, lived out his life story, made his every decision according to the scriptures. How about you and I? Every decision according to the scriptures. You got this far, it's not too late to start. If we truly believe that Jesus is the word, is logos, is divine reason, is this rational mind, is Lord and God, is creator of all, shouldn't we also believe that Jesus might just know the best way for his entire creation to maneuver from within? He might have it figured out long before we got here. That his light and his light alone is the only life for us all. But how? How do we submit? What are some practical ways? What does this look like? How do I follow the submission of the Christ? Well, some of us already began that process, already uh, jumped right in, friends. If, if we've repented of our sins, if we've confessed Jesus as our Savior, if we've gone down into those waters of baptism, if we've put on his very name, the name Christ, by becoming a Christian, that's submission. That's submission to God, but that's also just the beginning of a very selfless journey in a very selfish world. Maybe this whole idea of of submitting really scares us. Submitting to God, uh, even as a Christian. Preacher, I don't even like the idea of giving up the decision of what's for dinner in my house. Sometimes baby steps are, are better than no steps, right? But whatever steps it takes to submit to God, we've got to take them. Thomas A. Kempis, the the famous Augustinian monk, wrote in The Imitation of Christ the following, O dust, learn to be obedient. You just see that on a bumper sticker. I love that. O dust, learn to be obedient. He continues, Learn to humble yourself, you of earth and clay, and to bow yourself down under the feet of all men. Campus concludes, learn to break your own wishes and to yield yourself to all subjection. Or perhaps recognize that dust we are and dust will return, Genesis 3.19. I don't mean to put us on a bummer this morning, but you and I and everyone in this room and and everyone outside this room, everywhere, we are ultimately made uh, physically of the elements of this earth, and someday these bodies of ours are going to return to this earth. That's scientific and biblical. Acknowledging this isn't thinking less of what we are, it's merely accepting what is, right? But the good news is, the reason why I'm standing up here today and every week and for years to come, Lord willing, is that someone not of this earth came to save us from perishing. Our story doesn't end here on the earth. Praise God.
We have to learn to follow his example of submission while we're here. <clears throat> and if you're looking for just a few practical ideas on how to get started, you know, how do I practice submission to God? How do I humbly follow the word? How do I apply this? I've got a few ideas for everyone this morning. If you'd like to jot, jot these down or, or, or not, that's okay too. But <clears throat> this is not my list. It comes from an online devotional I found entitled, How to Practice Submission. Let me share a few of these with you this morning. And again, these are practical. You can even get started on these this morning. First quote, in the morning of each day, submit each aspect of your upcoming day with God. Give it to God. When you get up in the morning, give it to God before any of it's even come your way. You don't know what's going to come your way, but you know who's bigger than whatever's coming your way. Amen? So try a prayer of submission. Try it. Father, into your hands I commit blank. Just as the word would have done, did. And maybe it's the way you spend your time today. Maybe it's the way you, you spend your money. Maybe it's your schedule, your hopes and fears. Maybe it's your marriage. Pray a prayer of submission like the one who came before. And the Gospels have several examples of prayers. That's number one. Secondly, wait on God in prayer before making any decisions for your life. Wait on God. Wait on Him. This one's important when it comes to submission because I know sometimes, you know, I'll get an idea in my head. In, in my, in my head. <clears throat> sometimes I think, boy, this is the great, just, just, I won't let you down, God. Just, just, you know, and then you crash and burn because it, it wasn't God's will. Before you jump into something, be patient. Take it in prayer to God. See what God does in the meantime. And sometimes uh, he'll work on something, get something done before you even get there. But make sure you're waiting for God. And, and along with that, a third way to practice submission is the following. <clears throat> Quote, when you want to pursue an opportunity in your life, along with presenting it to God, present it also uh, to a friend, a brother, a sister in Christ. Present it uh, and don't act on it unless you get some encouragement from someone around you. You know, this isn't just being humble, it's also being smart. How often does God work uh, through others to guide us, right? And here, here's a fourth way to submit to God. Th this one might hurt a little bit. Uh, let people actually cut in front of you. Let that guy merge, you know, the truck that's about 3,000 feet long. Let that guy in front of you. Uh, let the guy in front of you in the line and, and do it with a smile. This is real submission. This is hard stuff. Sheila, that preacher's going for the gut now. But, but really, be submission, really be submissive. I mean, it doesn't matter that you got to Burger King first. It doesn't make any difference how long you've waited. Uh, it doesn't even mean a thing that it was your turn. If you practice su submitting to other people in small things, you can develop a practice for submitting in the bigger things. And finally, one last idea this morning. The devotional says, <clears throat> keep a Sabbath day. Keep a Sabbath day. Keep a day of rest. Maybe just go to bed earlier. 
This is one uh, that, that I've struggled with a little bit. We talked about this uh, in men's group on Saturday. If the Bible says in the second chapter, Genesis verse 2, God himself took a day to rest, what does that say about me? What does that say about me? Work on submitting to God. Sometimes remembering that I'm not him means uh, keeping practical life boundaries for myself. But these are practical ways you can submit. What did Jesus do? He went off. He went off. It was just him and it was the Father. You need that time. You need it. And these are, again, these are just a few ideas. In closing this morning, I'd like to offer just one more. One of my earliest and most early, uh, probably one of the most vivid memories uh, in my life was that of uh, lying beside my father on the couch and, and he reading, him reading his Bible to me. I didn't completely understand all that he was saying, but it also wasn't too much later that, that those words would begin to sink in. And looking back, I really appreciate the memory of dad reading the Bible to me. That was big. That was significant. My dad, <clears throat> he was a busy guy. He worked long hours. But I'll never forget that submitting to God by reading scripture to his little boy. Very vivid memory. He passed away when I was 10. But this is a memory that still sticks with me. And I bet you can't guess the text that I recall so vividly. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. So friends, when you're with the ones you love the most, submit to the Word by sharing His words. Amen? Take that time as much as you can. It's your children, someone's, uh, someone else's children that you're with, maybe a, another family member. Share the word. You know, I, I know we often feel we burn the brightest when we're sharing those personal interests or that TV show or the hobbies we love, the sports teams, uh, being out in the woods with someone. And, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But verse 5 of our text is it says, there is one light to overcome the darkness of this life for everyone, all of us. In those moments that you have with others where you can make a difference in their lives, let the one that's been shining for an eternity shine on them too. Amen? It's interesting, at the time of this writing, at the time I was writing this, uh, my wife was actually uh, helping light up the kid's bedroom a little bit. She was praying with my, my littlest two. I heard her in there, and I was like, oh, great. I can actually put this in my sermon. This, this is cool when you know, God kind of throws those things at you. Um, she was praying, thanking God for Jesus, for the one who has always been there and, and, and always shall be here with us as well forever. That's a promise. There's only one way on, on which our families can depend, and, and that's God's way. So as we go about our daily lives, brothers and sisters, I challenge you. This word submit, don't look on this as a dirty word. It's not. It's the way of the word, and it's his way even up to the beginning. Let's pray. Lord, we've... We've spent time in, in your word today. 
we've spent time giving you praise and, and worship and coming to your table. We've spent time submitting to you. God, I just pray that as we would leave this place, we would go about our business, we would go to wherever we're, we're heading next, Lord. I pray that that submission would not end, that we would choose to follow you. God, I thank you for the example that the scripture gives us. So often we, we want to take the easy route. So often we want to we want to claim the name of Jesus without the way Jesus has shown us. God help us to be more than that. Help us to not to not be just hearers, but also doers. Lord, so often in our, in our lives, in our world, in our culture, we get to thinking that this word, this idea of, of submission, that's not what we want to do. We want to we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and be independent, be, be individuals that, that don't need to rely on anyone and, and don't need to, to contribute. Just take care, care of ourselves. But Lord, you've shown us a better way. And it's the way home. God, I thank you for your church. I thank you for the things that you've given us to draw us together as we look to you. And I pray, Lord, that if, if there would be anyone that has a decision to make, to submit to you, to begin that life, to get on that road home, that they would be led this morning to do that. Help us all as we look to a world that needs you so badly, that needs the submission of the Christ. It is in his holy name, as God of this universe, as Alpha and Omega, as the only name that matters, that I pray these things today, amen. The invitation stands, not just for this moment, not just because it's invitation time, but all the time. We've been given some promises. And in, in just a moment, we're going to sing about those promises found in God's word. Again, if you've not gone, in, gone down into those waters of baptism, come up a new creation, gotten on that road to glory, we invite you to do that. Or if there's another decision that you'd like to make today, uh, maybe you're already a baptized believer and, and you'd just like to place your membership with us here at Ferris and say that, hey, I want to I wanna worship with these people and, and get on the road home here. We invite you to do that also. We're going to stand and sing all about those wonderful, wonderful promises given to us in the Word and by the Word. Would you stand?